The Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we continue to take steps to better secure our platforms. What's next? We support updated internet regulations to set new standards for data portability, privacy, and elections. Learn more at about.fb.com regulation. Good morning, I'm Reese Tebow with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202. It's Friday, September 4th. James is out, but I'm here again with the day's top headlines. Here are three stories that should be on your radar. Up first, Matt Viser and Dan Simmons report that Joe Biden thrust his campaign into the roiling national debate over police violence and racial justice on Thursday. The Democratic presidential nominee traveled to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and pointedly embraced the nation's racial reckoning, vowing improvements if elected president. During an emotional meeting held in a church not far from looted downtown buildings, Biden made some of his most direct comments yet on the subject of race, growing introspective at times and speaking barely above a whisper. He said the shock over the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the shooting that paralyzed Jacob Blake in Kenosha has provided the first window in generations for the nation to address centuries-old problems. Biden said, quote, We're finally now getting to the point where we're going to address the original sin in this country, slavery, and all the vestiges of it. I can't guarantee you everything gets solved in four years, but I can guarantee you one thing. It will be a whole heck of a lot better. In tone and dialogue, Biden's trip differed dramatically from that of President Trump two days earlier. The former vice president met with Blake's family and spoke with Blake by phone for 15 minutes before meeting with community leaders. Trump had toured buildings burned after protests over the shooting, and his audience was heavy with law enforcement. Once again, Biden opposed looting and violence, but he also sided with the sentiments of the street. Biden met for an hour with Blake's parents, siblings, and legal team, and he spoke on the phone with Blake, who was shot seven times and had just been released from the ICU. Recounting their conversation, Biden said, He talked about how nothing was going to defeat him, how whether he walked again or not, he was not going to give up. And up next, a story from my colleagues David Nakamura, Matt Zapatosky, and Kobe Ikowitz. On Thursday, a chorus of election officials, legal analysts, and social media companies rushed to condemn and counter President Trump's suggestion that his supporters attempt to vote more than once. They warned that doing so could be a crime, and they expressed fear that he was undermining the election system. The pushback included pointed statements from an array of federal and local officials, as well as direct action from Facebook and Twitter to attempt to limit the spread of the president's misinformation. Trump had urged supporters during an official White House event in North Carolina on Wednesday to send in a ballot through the mail and then attempt to cast another one at polling sites on Election Day in an effort to test the system. He has stated repeatedly that universal mail-in voting would lead to rampant voter fraud, despite evidence to the contrary. The head of the North Carolina State Board of Elections issued a lengthy statement emphasizing that attempting to cast multiple ballots is a Class 1 felony, and that soliciting someone to vote twice is also a crime. And Michigan's Democratic Attorney General and Secretary of State both vowed to prosecute those trying to vote more than once. 
Facebook announced it would remove a video of Trump's initial remarks, and Twitter appended a notice to two of the president's tweets, ruling that they violated the site's rules about civic and election integrity. Trump and other administration officials sought to justify the president's comments and minimize the political fallout. On Twitter, Trump wrote that he was only instructing those who vote by mail to follow up at their polling place to make sure the ballots have been counted. Democrats and state election officials from both parties have pushed to make it easier for people to vote by mail to help protect against the spread of the coronavirus at crowded polling places. Responding to Trump's comments, Biden accused the president of trying to delegitimize the U.S. election system. The president's remarks in North Carolina marked his latest attempts to impugn the integrity of mail-in voting, which Trump believes would favor Biden. And our final story comes to us from Gillian Burkell, a reporter for The Post's history blog, Retropolis. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was slammed by Republicans this week after Fox News obtained surveillance footage of her inside a San Francisco salon. The problem? California stylists have been banned from working indoors for months because of the pandemic, and the footage showed her with her mask pulled down around her neck. The White House pounced on it, and even the owner of the salon said it was a, quote, slap in the face. Pelosi insisted it was a setup. The stylist had told her it was okay to have one client inside at a time, and she had her mask down only briefly while getting a shampoo. But we can't say history didn't warn her. Haircuts and styles have been landing politicians in hot water for a long time. In 1993, the Washington Post's reliable source revealed that President Bill Clinton got a haircut aboard Air Force One as it sat on a runway in Los Angeles. Other outlets reported the trim had delayed commercial flights. The rumors of an air traffic jam turned out to be untrue, but the cost of the haircut, $200, was still a scandal. Nearly 15 years later, former Senator John Edwards seemed to almost repeat Clinton's Hair Force One fiasco. Once again, media reported on his expensive haircuts from a Beverly Hills stylist, but this time they cost $400, the stylist was flown in, and the charges showed up on Edwards' campaign spending reports. Edwards, who was running for president on an anti-poverty platform, said he was embarrassed and reimbursed the campaign. But it turned out that wasn't his only hair-raising campaign behavior. He was also having an extramarital affair. Edwards was eventually indicted on corruption charges. At trial, he was found not guilty on one charge, and a mistrial was declared on the other charges. And in 2012, the New York Post claimed the disgraced politician was going to supercuts, where the charge was $12.95. But political hair changes are not always perilous. While on the campaign trail in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was described as gaunt, hatchet-faced, and a horrid-looking wretch. Then he got a letter from 11-year-old Grace Bedell, who advised him, If you will let your whiskers grow, you would look a great deal better. He listened. And perhaps more importantly, that style tip was free. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, September 4th. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the holiday weekend and stay safe. The Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. 
At Facebook, we continue to take steps to better secure our platforms. What's next? We support updated internet regulations to set new standards for data portability, privacy, and elections. Learn more at about.fb.com regulation.